Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Oh yes, there's a lot to discuss. Only a couple of days now until Fulham's Premier League campaign starts against Liverpool at Craven Cottage on Saturday. Yes, we may not quite have as many centre-backs as we like, but it's still exciting to be on the dawn of a new season. And we have a pretty good goalkeeper now between the sticks uh, to represent the Whites, which is exciting. We'll get into that transfer more reaction from Marco's comments on Sunday and we've got a load of Premier League predictions some calls that will inevitably make us look stupid in May but hey it's the nature of the beast it's got to be done and I'm joined by the regular Thursday club I have to be on the dawn of a Premier League season joined by my regular Thursday club Jack Collins hello listeners hello Savvy here we go here we go again here we go. Peter Rutzler, hello. Hello, seatbelt strapped in, I'm ready, I'm ready, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that just before we started recording, Peter, your words were, I'm really tired and the season hasn't <laughs> even started yet. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the current emotion. But, you know, once we get in the swing of it, it's good. Got to get into, get into autopilot, start cruising. We're good, let's go. I'm just so happy for there to be matches. I was saying it on Sunday's pod and Archie was like, can we just delay the season until we sign a centre-back? I was like, no, this fan base just needs this. We need matches now. It's been a long time um, without games. And, and Jack, look, we'll get into some of the issues, centre-backs, Marco's comments, not enough transfers, et cetera, et cetera. But I imagine you must just be excited to, to get going on, on Saturday. Old routines return, back to the cottage, probably off to the Duke of Cornwall afterwards. It's it's an exciting day. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's been a lot of negativity around the club, you know, from from us and included, I think. And and look, that's that's all well and good. And it's all I, I think it was all reasonable. You know, we were looking at things and, and you can see frustrations with different elements of what this club is, but ultimately we are also about to start a new season. And, you know, with all of that taken aside, it will get to Saturday and the anticipation starts to build and everyone gets excited and off we go. And, and yes, it's an incredibly difficult start. And yes, it might not be the game that, that really kicks this season off for Fulham. But just the idea of, you know, last year we spent so long, you know, stressing about being promoted so that if we don't, enjoy it when it's here if we don't now you know enjoy this Premier League season enjoy being back at the top table yes it's going to be difficult yes it's going to be hard yes I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time being stressed and worried about trying to survive but ultimately that's what it's all about right we wanted to be back in the big leagues we are back in the big league we've got to try and enjoy that as much as we can and and that starts with an incredibly tough test against Liverpool sure but it starts uh, against Liverpool and part of being back in the top divisions you want to see you know, the biggest and best teams in the world at the cottage. And Liverpool currently are that. And ultimately, that's the kind of prize we've earned by by what we achieved last season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I'm, I can't wait to get behind the boys. 
Peter, are you surprised by how this summer's gone? Because as Jack says, it, it has been negative. We've been negative. A lot of the fan base has been negative. And, and yet we should be excited. I am excited now. I think now that it's getting really close to the Liverpool game, I think I am flicking my switch from annoyance to just actually, let's just enjoy this. It's, that's the whole point of football is, is to enjoy it. And there have been issues this summer that recruitment, tickets, sponsors that we have covered in, in depth. But I imagine as a journalist, especially as someone that's having to cover all of these, you will be happy just to be able to talk about actual football rather than everything that goes around it. Yeah, no, covering the football is the bit I enjoy the most and looking at how the team is playing and how it's doing and how it's progressing and evolving is is probably, yeah, it's definitely the thing I personally enjoy the most. I think I'm surprised that we're in a position where there is nervousness and trepidation and, yeah, the, the, that optimism from May when after the 7-0 against Luton, um, how it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's not evaporated, but it's, it's, it's certainly ebbed away quite a bit. And that, that is a bit of a surprise. I, in, in the context of what's happened, it's not because that's, that's just how it's played out this summer. It's not been an easy summer at all. It's been difficult, um, for a variety of reasons on and off, off the pitch. Um, but to get to this point, you, you would, you would think that considering how good it was, first title in 20 years, um, playing fantastic football, um, a squad that, was stronger. I mean, the base that they've taken, that, that Fulham are taking into the Premier League is stronger. Um, as we've sort of talked about in previous pods, there are lots of things to take encouragement from. Um, the players they've signed, and we'll get on to Bert Leno is the latest. Um, clearly, it's a, these are good quality signings that have come in. Um, the style of play is clear. It looks like the players have adapted quite quickly, the ones who have signed. Um, it's just, it's incredible, really, that Fulham have two centre-halves ahead of the first game of the season because we talked about how much time they had. Um, and that's that's where it comes from. That's where trepidation comes from. So yeah, that's 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 why it's a surprise. Um, but once once Liverpool's out the way, and I think Liverpool would be a difficult game anyway. I think it's, it's those two next games where I think the ante turns up a bit. You know, you can almost treat Liverpool not as a free hit. I suppose it is in a way. Uh, yeah, as long as you don't get battered, well. it's a free hit. Yeah, as long as you don't get knocked for seven or six or five, um, ideally. Um, which which is possible even with with the greatest will in the world. Um, it's those next two games afterwards where it becomes pressure cooker, where it's actually you know we need we need points here. So yeah, but long story short, I'm looking forward to watching football and players kicking a round thing into a net. Hopefully, more than nine times at Craven Cottage. Oh God. Oh God, don't say that. I forgot about that. Anyway, maybe part of my reason for my excitement today is um, a bit later than quite a few others, but hey, who cares? I received my season ticket pack this morning. Um, Have you got yours yet, Jack? Yeah, I've moved seats only like literally from one side of my brother to the other. So um, I got a new ticket. So yeah, no, it's, um, I do have mine, um, which is exciting. Um, so yeah, it's also it's also a fun time. It's so nice, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so like, I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen these, Peter, but like all of these different little postcards that you get, um, you get a commemorative coin. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with the commemorative coin, but I'll put it somewhere. Um, what I thought at first was a notepad, and actually, it's not a notepad. It's more of a kind of like diary of the season, um, like a, a season review, um, which which was really really nice. So look. Fair play to the club. And actually, if the deal was that you just have to keep your card, but you get all of this 
like nice stuff instead, then um, yeah, a bit of a masterstroke. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed receiving that in the post this morning. A really, really lovely touch. Uh, really nice, aren't they? My, my, my flatmates got one in this morning. So um, yeah, they're, they're proper nice, aren't they? A really nice touch. I really like yeah. the little book as well going over the season. Do have an issue with it being referenced as a 4-2-3-1 though in pretty much every game. Personally disagree with that, but you know, you know we're, we're actually can dogs lie. Yeah, I feel like... I feel, <laughs> I feel like maybe that's the level of intricacy that wasn't get, uh, to be expected from the official um, <laughs> season review booklet um, that was more for pretty pictures, I think, than anything else, Peter. But yes, um, point point taken. Right, Bert Leno, confirmed at 10pm last night. Uh, this is one we definitely knew was coming, at least for the whole evening, but some brave soul at Motspur Park took a picture of Bert Leno on a balcony. Uh, um, I the, the brazen of it whoever this guy was Connor I don't think he's attached to Fulham I think he's a sort of Arsenal scout um, took the photo was just like hey look I found Burnt Leno on it and I was thinking right okay I'm not sure you're going to get invited back to Motspur Park anytime soon if you're just outwardly <laughs> revealing the club's transfers before they've happened but anyway about 10 o'clock last night Leno in um, Peter a really exciting signing tainted with a bit of I don't know, a bit of bit of shame over what this means for Marit Rodak. I know. Mar- Bert Leno is a better goalkeeper than Marit Rodak. Marit Rodak did not earn his place in the Premier League through his performances last season. He made too many mistakes at championship level to be a realistic contender for number one at Premier League level. But still, I'm not... 100% comfortable with it, but I am fully accepting of the position. But let's focus on Leno first. Um, an outstanding goalkeeper, always a good sign when the opposition club wish them well. And, and Arsenal fans in their droves have said, what a great keeper he is, what a great signing he'll be for you. And then when you look at the deal, which you kind of reported on last night, three million initially, rising to eight if basically Fulham stay up for a couple of seasons and then there's a couple more add-ons after that. That's a steal, isn't it, for a 30-year-old goalkeeper in their prime? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a bloody good deal, isn't it? I mean, probably one of the best Fulham have done. I mean, it's... it's as Up there with Tosin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We Just think about who, who we're getting here. This is a keeper who's at a club that's competing to play in the Champions League, has been first choice. He's up by just a better keeper, not because he's distinctly worse than the other keeper. Um, and Fulham have picked him up, 30-year-old, nine caps for Germany. You probably would have more without Manuel Neuer. Um, and Fulham are paying three million up front, a million depending on Premier League appearances. And then, as you said, there are two instalments based on Premier League survival of two million pounds. Um, I think it's a fantastic signing. I, I think, obviously, Fulham would want it done sooner. I think that's their sort of pervading sense of the whole summer, to be honest. But clearly, this is a high-quality addition. I feel like there's no debate about signing him or not like I know it's it's incredibly harsh on Matt Rodak and Rodak was entitled to say what he said last season in interviews about I don't want this to happen again why would you you've got to you've got to stand up for yourself but we talked on the pod last season about how Rodak hadn't really done enough to necessarily convince everyone that Fulham would be fine with him in goal and and even then the fact that Fulham had been able to get a player of Leno's caliber through the door for that fee um yeah it's a no it's an absolute no-brainer and um it's a it's an outstanding signing, and it's a, it will, it's another signing that really does turn the dial for Fulham. Like uh, no doubt about that whatsoever. And he's got that experience. He's a, he's a, it's clear that 
one Fulham wanted to be ambitious in this window, but there's clearly a, a, an attempt to get that Premier League experience, that sort of know-how into the squad to sell it, to get players in who have played at this level, at a good level in the Premier League, um, to just lift, elevate the rest of the squad. Um, and Leno, Leno will be, is a great addition in, in that sense. A really fantastic shot stopper, I think, is the best his best attribute. So um, really looking forward to seeing him play. Fulham have done well with keepers. Obviously, Ariola came in last time. He got player of the season, didn't he? Um, so let's see how how well Leno does. But you know, yeah, this is a this is a really good signing. And Jack uh, Peter mentioned it there. It seems like Leno's shot stopping is his key attribute and for yeah. a side at the bottom of the table that's that's very important not quite as good with his feet as he is at shot stopping and he's been caught out a few times um for arsenal that will be reasonably important to the way that fulham play um is that a concern at all or is shot stopping just so important when you're a team at the bottom and and how good you are with your feet is, is secondary yeah i i think ultimately this season is about you know, we, we know we can score goals, right? Or at least we, we're we pretty confident in, in Silver's ability to to coach attacking patterns. Um, yeah. What we struggled with last year, you know, was was conceding silly goals and, and, and not being defensively cohesive. And, you know, whilst we look at some of, we, we look at the kind of lack of signings and the gaps in, in centre-back, actually, this is another one, I think, where, you look at all five really of Fulham signings and they all seem to be good caliber players with you know with with strong ability sets and and I think you know maybe maybe Andreas Pereira aside pretty comfortable with all of them being Champions League pedigree players um you know p- players who at least have the uh, pedigree and, and, and capability of playing for a team in the Champions League group stages and that's not a slight on Pereira I just you know it just just kind of maybe not been at that level or, or been able to succeed at that level at, at any club yet. That's not to say he wouldn't ever get that. Um, yeah. But that's a that's a good kind of barrier to be looking at, right? If Fulham are signing players who who, who are Champions League calibre, and we, we've seen Leno, you know, play for for his country, play for Arsenal in a, in the top echelons of, of of the Premier League. We've seen him play in the Europa League. I, I think he is one of those players in terms of shot stopping. Now, whether he's all well rounded enough to do what Arteta wants him to do, it, clearly not. But I think that you know, you look. I'm looking at some of these kind of graphs and stats that I'll, I'll probably put up on, on Twitter before this goes out. Um, and, and you can see what why it's a bit of He doesn't really attempt that many long passes. He likes to play the ball short. He likes to roll the ball out. Um, and actually, that's an, an interesting thing for someone who's criticised quite heavily for his footwork. I, I think basically because, you know, Arsenal's keeper was supposed to be a sweeper. And I think you, you would expect the same from a Fulham keeper in, in, in the championship. There's this kind of idea that he can't pass the ball. I don't necessarily think that's true. I just don't think he's as good as it as as Arteta needed him to be for that system. Um, but yeah, he very much shot stopping seems to be his forte. He and and I think that that's the most important thing next season. You know, to to come back round to your question, I think that when we're looking at this, it's about making sure that we don't concede silly goals and, you know, having someone in net who is going to be able to make a difference. You know, if you're 1-0 up and hanging on to a game and, and a, sh- a snapshot comes in, you know, into the 90th minute and he's the one who can palm that round the post. And I think that that's, that's, you know, that's worth so many points to Fulham if we can make that happen. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with this. I think it's a really good bit of business. And I think he's got a point to prove as well. We, we talked about this a bit about Pereira and, and about some other players. Leno, I think, comes in being like, hang on, I, I am actually really good. And and he's not still a million miles off 
the German squad, I don't think, for this World Cup. He was in the World German Cup. squad for the Euros last year, wasn't he? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but he hasn't been called up since November 2021. He's kind of been usurped uh, a little bit in the kind of pecking order by both Kevin Trapp, um, who had a brilliant season at, at Jack Frankfurt, and, and Oliver Baumann at Hoffenheim. So he's got a point to prove, I think. And if he does come out flying and, and, and starts this season really well, I think there's a genuine chance he might well be included in the Germany uh, squad for, for the World Cup. So he's got that to to kind of work at and, and, and trying to prove himself for that. And I think that's an amazing thing for Fulham because you've got someone here with the bit between their teeth who's, a, you know, a bit, probably a little bit, not necessarily put out, but uh, someone who's like, okay, I kind of assumed when Arsenal bought me for that kind of fee, I was going to be their number one for a, for a little while. Especially because when he came in, he was such an upgrade on Petacek and, and, and everyone was so pleased to have him. For him to be usurped so quickly felt like kind of a, a shock, I think, in many ways. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this and I'm, I'm really excited to have him on board. As you say, brilliantly structured deal. Really, really interesting how, how it's been done for, for that kind of fee and more good business from Fulham. Just We just need more of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And Peter, we spoke at the end of last season, actually, we had the discussion um, where I said about how every team in the Premier League, I feel like had a standout goalkeeper. And I remember there was a bit of back and forth where I said, is Robert Sanchez a standout goalkeeper? And then Jack made me look a little bit silly by saying that he thinks he should be Spain's number one, um, which, um, you know, I haven't been crying myself to sleep about um, every night since, (laughs) but... (laughs) It is true when you look at the, the Premier League that even teams towards the bottom have have a really good goalkeeper. And I, th- I think the, the example I think is where Aston Villa finished last season and they have someone like Emmy Martinez, who's who's absolutely class. Um, <laughs> the link here that Arsenal's uh, goalkeepers tend to go somewhere to a bottom uh, half Premier League team. It's an essential, I think, in the Premier League that we've got this. And, and you look now at the difference between us, Forest, Bournemouth, those kind of sides at the bottom. And if we can just get a couple more transfers in, the calibre of player that we're signing, now we've got this high calibre of goalkeeper. I'm getting so much more confident in our starting eleven. Yes, there's this issue at centre-back. But other than that, I'm happy with the side going into Liverpool. I think the hope has to be that when other players see the squad Fulham are building, that that might encourage them to make decisions they may not have done otherwise. Because as you said, like it's quite clear that the, the quality level is pretty high with what Fulham are doing here. Um, you're right about keepers. Um, I think Forrest got Dean Henderson in, so it's a yeah. pretty good option in goal. And Luke um, Travers for Bournemouth was always a, my, my, a, a yeah, Premier League quality. I mean, Bournemouth are in a, a very difficult situation at the moment. Um, yes. But you're right. I mean, to be honest, the Premier League is, is, is an elite competition, isn't it? I mean, we, we've talked about how the clubs that you would want to try and haul in as, you know, the middle ranking clubs now are so strong if you've been in for a few seasons because they've been able to use the, the broadcast money to recruit high quality players. Um, but even to, you know, even at the lower end of, of, of the table, um, every every club needs a, a top quality keeper and, and it makes the difference. Fulham saw that two years ago. Yes, Fulham were relegated, but Ariola was a difference between, it was one of the best for goals prevented, I think. I can remember rightly in, in, in the statistics front and um, it's, you know, he's now second choice at West Ham. So um, yeah, that probably reflects it to be honest. And, and yeah, I think we'll probably, it's pretty likely we'll look back on this as one of Fulham's best bit of business of the summer, particularly if uh, the season starts well. And we talked about it in 
uh, Tuesday's podcast, Peter, but you were at the press conference where Marco Silva, um, the line that I'm not angry, um, but sounded very angry, um, did make me laugh. He, he was obviously annoyed. It sent panic stations around the club because it felt like within an hour there was tons of uh, leaks to the press of, oh, we're, we're bidding for four centre-backs. It's, 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 all, it's all under control. Um, yeah. It, it, what was it like in the, the press conference when he was giving the comments that he did? Because um, if <laughs> I, I felt like there was a kind of feeling in the fat and fan base of like, Oh, are we just overreacting over this? Is it, is it, are, are people just being negative for the sake of it? And then when Marco Silva comes up with comments like that, you're like, Oh no, this actually really is a bit of a situation now at sense back. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I wasn't too surprised because obviously I'd written like a month ago saying that Silva was unhappy with how the window was going. And the fact that there were still only two center backs on the book, I think that he was willing to use, of course, is Terence Congolo, who's been, in, been on trial at Stoke. Um, for Silver, it's frustrating that it's not all been done. You know, he said at the time, we said at the time, that it was a, a changing of the guard with those players going. And um, it was interesting that in that interview in Portugal, it, he talks about it being an ambitious plan. Um, you know, 10 players or, or whatever it is out and then the same in, you know, was it then too ambitious or has it just not functioned efficiently enough? Um, I asked Silver in, in the presser about, you know, he's working with Alistair McIntosh and Tony Khan. And, you know, he was, you know, he said they were all on the same page. It wasn't upset with anyone and not to write that he was upset with anyone and and that they were all, you know, frustrated about the situation. And for Silver, you know, like any coach, he wants the best hand he can get, you know, like Scott Parker does at Bournemouth and we've seen the, the noise that, that will come out of there. And you know, collectively, this is this is an issue for Fulham. And um, if they can get that that centre-back, it will help. You know, I feel like once they do get that centre-back, it's it does change the picture a bit. Yeah. Uh, Jack, it's obviously a change in tack and what Fulham are going for. Yeah. The, the signings that we've brought in are high quality. You look at kind of Forrest's signings and look, they've done really well on a couple of them, but it's kind of a bit more of a scattergun approach and they needed to sign a lot more players than we did. But there does feel a little bit similarities to what we did in 2018. It might work for them. It might not work. It, it might not. Fulham have obviously tried to go for really targeted, high quality players. And there's no point bringing in someone that isn't of the level just because they're available. But at yeah. centre back, I, I feel like it's, this was maybe a position where actually we didn't, we, could, we don't, couldn't afford to be so smart about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think that maybe at, at this point we look back and we go, okay, we, we're clearly trying to recruit in a certain way and it's a really impressive way. Let, let's let's be you know straight about that. This seems sensible. We are looking at a higher quality of player um, and, and at centre-back, you know, the kind of, well, rumours on the table are that the Fulham are, are looking at players who have Premier League experience. That's what they want in, in this area, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, although I do think it limits your market and makes things a little bit tighter when clubs are obviously trying not to sell to each other. Looking at Forrest's recruitment, um, and, and I think this is kind of maybe something interesting, you're looking at a lot of players here who, if Forrest were to get relegated, um, would probably stick around in the championship. Maybe Moussa Niakate aside, um, who was excellent for Mines last year, and I think probably is, is is capable of going quite far. You know, we've got a lot of players here who 
are either kind of being brought around from from, from different areas. You know, Harry Toffolo, Lewis O'Brien, both brilliant in the championship at Huddersfield last season. But if Forrest were to get relegated, you'd think they'd stick around. Nico Williams, you know, hasn't really proved that in the Premier League yet. Obviously, it depends on how they get on this year with him. But equally would maybe stick around if Forrest were going to have another run at it. And if they went down with this squad and kept most of it together you'd expect them to go on and win the championship the season after, right? Because these are players who who are capable of doing that. We can't really afford to do that because there's so much in this about, you know, where, where we're looking at it and going, we, we can't do that again. You know, there, there's so many of these players here. And I think that this goes not just for the players coming in, but maybe for some of the squad as a whole full stop, that it's going, right, we're just not going through that again. Um, and, and I think that that's what's, what's kind of the difference here. Forrest, this is their first time up in 23 years. They'll obviously be, you know, massively, massively hoping they'll stay up, obviously. But if they don't, they've recruited in such a way that quite a lot of these players are tweener players, I think, and, and, and will be able to, to hang on to them. You know, unbelievable season in the Premier League aside. They'll probably be able to hang on to them or most of yeah. them should they go down. I don't think that's what Fulham are trying to do. And I think that's the difference in, in how you recruit there because it, it makes it, it, it makes it very difficult to, to kind of make sure that those deals get across the line. And look, the other thing is with Forrest is that they're not done, right? All reports coming out of, of Forrest are that they want four or five more. Yeah, that's a lot of players to ingratiate with a new squad. And we've seen it not work before. Now, that's not to say it won't work. But it's a, it's a, okay, they needed to do it as well. In the same way that Fulham needed to do it all those years back, that, you know, everyone criticized the amount of, of spending that was done and the amount of players that came in, but there weren't enough bodies in the squad full stop beforehand to, to make sure that yeah. that did work. So you, you can't really blame Forrest for doing it. And I think they've brought in some really interesting players, but it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous game in, in some ways. And, and Steve Cooper has a, a, has a lot to work with. Fulham seem to be on a far more, narrow track in terms of the players that we've been bidding for now that might have changed this week with the the four centre-back offers that were rumoured straight after these comments came out of the press conference and and the fact that everyone was briefed on Fulham being in for four different players and maybe it will become a little bit more panic stations um but if it does end up being panic stations now all we've done is wasted a month and I think that's the the kind of problem with this is that you know, if, if it's all well and good being clever with your transfers, but if the clever transfers don't come off and you end up signing the players that you could have signed a month ago on a, a you know, on an increased fee and paying the money that they want or have demanded right from the beginning, you've only shot yourself in the foot, really. And, and that's the kind of tricky balance that Fulham have to strike. Now, it's not easy, um, but I think that, that ultimately even one of these one of these links had come through by now, we'd be a little bit calmer going into this game. Yeah, I think I think that's... I was just thinking that myself. I mean, we said it I think last week or the week before that if there was one good quality senior centre back on the level that we've seen now in the team, I think that'd be concerned because we can see that the depth's not quite there. But it would not be where we're at now, I think. But certainly not um, in terms of concern um, because the, the base is nearly there now, really, isn't it? It's nearly there. Obviously, you'd want them sooner. Obviously, silver, like any coach, would want things at the start of the, the summer. But that's easier said than done. Um, but in terms of actually where the squad is, it's not a million miles away, is it? We're not talking um, from a good 11, but the fact is hasn't, there isn't that centre-back. So um, that's why we're, it's slightly more heightened. 
Have we got any idea who this centre back coming in is going to be? Have we? Are we? Are we any closer to knowing? What's been funny this summer is that all the signings that we've made, I've been confident they're coming in. Burton Leno was reported a couple of months ago, but it just felt like I think we're going for that person. I can't pin down who Fulham are going to get. I mean, we've seen the names. We've seen Issa Diop. We've seen the lad from Turkey. I can't remember his name. Sorry. Um, we've seen uh, Vestergaard. Have we got any idea, Peter, if you're a betting man, who is the centre-back that Fulham are going to sign that clearly is going to solve the problems, fill, fix the leak for now? Do I know who's going to be the centre-back coming at this point? No, is the answer. Um, just just looking through some of some of the names that have been linked, Attila Salai from conversations I've had, I haven't really got um, a sense that that's one. For Yannick Vestergaard, he's liked. Um, but that's not the same as, as as actually being able to get him at this point. Obviously, there were offers made for Malang Sar, but I think reports suggest he's going to France instead. I know he's had interest from France. And Chelsea need to get replacement because they're looking for a centre back too. Issa Diop, of course. I think Issa Diop's the one that's been most most pronounced. It's the one that's probably of those names we've sort of seen take a take a lead, I suppose. My last understanding of it, and I don't know if it's developed since, was that Fulham had tabled fifteen million, but I think West Ham want more than that. It was Levi Colwell, I think I mentioned before, I think I think is probably of interest, but I don't know if that's likely. Alderete was another one. Yeah, I like um, that one. I like that move. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a nice, it's, a, it's a nice link, but I'm I'm not sure on that one at this point. But yeah, I, I think as it goes back to my original answer, do I know who's going to come in at this point is, is a no. There's clearly a lot of irons in the fire and there'll probably be ones that we don't know about as well that they'll want to keep away from the public eye and... We shall see. We shall see. Feels unlikely, Jack, before the Liverpool game. I think we can be pretty sure that it's Tim and Tosin on Saturday. Oh, yeah. But even if someone does come in before the Liverpool game, I think it's Tim and Tosin on Saturday. Yeah, right? Like, that, that's where we're yeah. at now. It's Wednesday. Or for, even if someone came in tomorrow, you, you think that Tim and Tosin start that game. And, and so they should. And so they should. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. I will preview that game uh, in a little bit. We'll take a break now. Afterwards, it's time for some predictions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast is Sammy James here with Peter Rutzler and Jack Collins. As the season is starting, of course, it's that time of the year where everyone's getting their fantasy Premier League teams ready. I believe Fulhamish has one of the largest Fulham kind of mini leagues. Uh, We started it about four or five years ago. I'm pretty sure there's there's at least a thousand in there. Um, I, I don't even know these days how many are in the mini league, but there's an awful lot. If you fancy joining, uh, the code for our league this season is 4GBASW. That is 4GBASW. We'll put a link in the uh, description of the podcast as well. Please join. No prizes, just a bit of fun. Uh, let's see who uh, comes out on top at the uh, at the end of the week. Jack, have you put your FPL team together? 
I have, I have. I, I'm still not happy with it, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I think I'm about thirteen or fifteen locked in. I think. Any Fulham players? Uh, I have Andreas Pereira. Um, he is very popular. Very, very popular. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, I, I think. Do I have Bert Leno as well? Yeah, I have Bert Leno as well. So okay, interesting. Yeah, there we go. Um, I, um, I have, I have Mitro. And I know that he's actually quite highly priced in the game, but I've gone for expensive midfield, kind of lowish attack. So that's my that's my strategy so far. Um, strategy. I don't know if it will work. So okay. well, it's interesting. It's an interesting one. We well, shall... last season basically strikers were like there was no good strikers in the Premier League. I think that might change this year, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm no expert. I did spend a, a lot of time having to do fantasy football for another job last season, so I did learn a little bit more about it. But I didn't play last season, um, so I'm interested to play this season. So yeah, join the Fulhamish FPL league, um, and if you're in our Fulhamish community uh, on Telegram, which is awesome by the way, um, support the podcast. We do have a little uh, Fulhamish league uh, in there as well, where we are doing. A few prizes so um if you're in the fulhamish community uh, and you haven't joined yet uh please do all of the uh codes and the links are in the uh main uh telegram chat uh, as the pinned message um so it'd be great to have you in the uh, in the fulhamish community league as well uh if you're in there but if not 4g basw is the code for the fpl league do you play fpl peter yeah massive i love it absolutely love it. Yeah, oh i had like, no idea some good finishes in my time how what are we talking like top 1k top 10k top 5k was one but that i feel really? like that was a massive fluke i'm sort of one of those people that go from like 2 million to top 50,000 yeah i had a really bad year last year but i but sometimes sometimes i happen to be accidentally most of the time i just follow my heart though which isn't a great um which isn't a great no. way to play fantasy football i've got a good team name though what's your team called tipia i've had i've had the same name for for years, like since since secondary school, so it doesn't make any sense to anyone apart from people I went to school with, which is Roddy's Rat Pack. So, um, what? okay, that makes yeah. no sense. What's yours, Jack? Well, I've been I've had the same year, name for years as well until this year where I decided to change it. I've been Lord of the Wings for a long, long time, um, but this year I'm just pulling your leg. Oh, um, very good. Okay, uh, mine is Umbabushka. <laughs> What is it with this podcast, a babushka? <laughs> what? When have we ever mentioned babushka before? It's just a yeah. good song. No, because we had. Do we not have a couple of? Um, do we not have any? No, okay, ignore that. I thought it was. I thought we had. Okay. This will catch on then from it, but maybe it didn't. Maybe that was just me being weird. Uh, I don't think we've had a babushka and this will catch on, but it's a good shout uh, for, for any future inspiration uh, if if you're out there. Uh, fancy yeah, take getting, it. Uh, this will catch bad. on together. Yeah, I was just looking for, I don't know why, I'm just quite excited by the signing of Mbabu. I was like, I need to name my FPL team after him. So yeah, um, uh, I'll, uh, I'll maybe next week I'll take a look through the league once it's kind of opened and I'll try and pick out some of the best names uh, in the, uh, some of the best Fulham related names in the league. Right, let's do some preseason predictions uh we did this last season and it was uh, a lot of fun to then kind of revisit them at the end uh we got some of them pretty spot on we got uh, a few things uh catastrophically wrong uh, mostly involving huddersfield uh that one um so we'll go again and uh we'll play them at the end of the season and see how close we were so your first prediction that i would like i'll give mine as well 
is Fulham's final position with a bonus points for the number of points. Uh, Jack, I'll start with you. 16-39. Peter. Oh, this is so tough. Like, I, I'm just on the fence between 17th and 18th, which is... Which is, which is the stress. Which is quite <laughs> yeah, a God. stressful <laughs> fence um, to fall beside. I think Fulham will get similar points to Jackson, 37 or 38 for me, but I think it's going to be a high points total to stay up. Um, and it's literally for me in my prediction between Fulham and Southampton in that relegation position. I know that's be one of the other questions you think can go down. Um, so I have to base it on what I see now, like right now in the team, as opposed to what I think the team will actually look like. But I suppose but it's a prediction. You can predict if I you think that Fulham, that Fulham will, will Fulham sort will, it out. Yeah, fine. 17th, 30, what did I say? 38? Yeah. 38 points. 17th, 38 points. Fine. We'll do that. Okay. I'm going to go for 15th. Oh, bloody hell. And 42 points. I'd be so happy. That would make me so happy. 40 points, my God. Imagine getting over the 40 point, the magic 40 points total. <laughs> It's been it's been eight million years. <laughs> you know what? I was too negative last year, and I didn't say that Fulham would win the league. I learnt my mistake. Yeah. So I've gone the op- I've gone the opposite. I think it's going to be a final day job in this. I I I it's going to be it's going to be so tight okay. because even even with a strong team, I still think it's going to be tight. So um, we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe there's a more bomb, but. <laughs> Okay, next question. How many goals will Mitro score? JC? 15. <laughs> okay. 11 non-pen. 11 non-penalty goals, I think. I'll write that down as a little extra. Okay. Peter? 14. I, I think just... just in the Premier League, yeah? Not like all comp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll say Premier League on this. Okay. I'm gonna... Right, what's your all comps, Jack? Is it like... 25, 30, what are we talking about? No, I would have said 16. <laughs> <laughs> he has one goal as we crash out of the FA Cup in the third round. <laughs> I'm also, I was going to undercut you both, but actually that is the kind of area that I was going to go for. So I think I will go for 15 as well. I, don't, I, I know I like to make things interesting and make it a battle, but realistically, I think if my other prediction of 15 for 42 points is to stand, I think you need Mitro to be scoring around that many you goals. Could have got, you could have gone higher, mate. You could have gone higher. I can't go high. I just don't think that's realistic. 15 is any... a lot of Premier League goals. 15 and he's in the lot. top kind of like, well, he's in the top five or six probably he for goal scorers in the league. He got 11, didn't he? The the two, four years ago, it must be now. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, and this is a team more geared around his strengths. And I think he's a better player than he was then. So I don't think that's, yeah. that's that weird. No, no, no. But still, look. Well, basically Tony, saying it would be very impressive if he did it. Antonio's never managed that amount. You know, there's still a high bar to hit 15. You know, like there's a lot of established Premier League strikers who don't tend to hit those numbers, but we are a team fully built around him. So you'd hope that he's hitting those numbers. Right. We did this last year and it worked. Um, second top scorer on the full assumption that Mitro's top scorer is almost pointless doing that. But second top scorer is a little bit more up for debate, um, particularly more up for debate now that we know that Harry Wilson's got a, a fairly uh, serious injury at the start of the season. So, Peter, I'll start with you on this one. Solomon. Ooh, yeah. 
Solomon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack? Bobby Deckard over Reed. <laughs> yes, there he is. This is my shout as well. I think it might be. Although I do wonder if Fulham bring in another attacker, if this might have to shift. But for now, with the squad that we have at our disposal, Bobby Reed. The only one that I can't work out is how much Pereira is going to play. Pereira is constantly in that 10 role. He will get a lot of shooting opportunities. Yeah, he's not that good uh, either, though. <laughs> I was going to say Harry Wilson, but obviously with the injury, I'm not so sure. But I mean, it may. Because he last when Bourm, when he was at Bournemouth, he was their top scorer because he just has an ability to pick up goals at, and he can do it at that level. So, but I'll go with Solomon for now. Yeah, Luke, Luke, ha- Luke Harris. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Andreas. I, 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 I might be foolish. And as you say, he's not particularly known as a goal scorer, but if he's in that 10, you saw how many goals Carvalho and how many opportunities Carvalho picked up yes I know they're different players and it will be a very different kind of role that Andreas has to play in the Premier League as opposed to the Championship but my hope is that it would have been Wilson though obviously I think if um, we knew he wasn't injured at the start of the season we just don't know how that's going to go right three relegated teams so I guess if you're going to stick consistent with your predictions above that it's not going to be Fulham um, you can tell it's the Fulhamish podcast. We're all slightly biased because I don't think you'd get three predictions on any other podcast that doesn't include Fulham in the drop zone. Um, I was just reading uh, Phil McNulty's predictions on the BBC Sport website and uh, Fulham are 19th. Um, yep. and we're in the bottom three for a lot of people's predictions, but clearly... So we did, ours on, we did ours on ranks today and Sam has us 19th, but he, well, he had us 19th on the basis that currently we don't have any centre-backs. So, um, you know, he was like, this could change if you sort yourselves out. And I suppose yeah, that's yeah, the that's flip. literally my my sort of take on the line. But also I feel like in predictions, you are allowed to predict that something will change. Therefore, I don't Fulham yeah. will sign centre backs. Like yeah. we're going to. I don't there's not gonna get to August the thirty first and suddenly we're still in the same situation. Fulham I said that about August the first, mate. So here we are. Well, yes, I know. I mean, yes, I'm putting maybe too much faith, but we will. We're just not, there's no way that's not going to happen. And given our track record on deadline day, I imagine they'll be good. The problem is it might all be too late. But anyway, three relegated teams. JC, go. Uh, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah. <laughs> uh, the only team who have managed to prepare for this season currently like, without, actually, without actually becoming better at all, which is genuinely quite remarkable, frankly. Um, Bournemouth. Or Everton, Southampton. Bang, there you go. Interesting. Two uh, non-promoted teams. Um, Peter, your thoughts? Bournemouth, for Jack's aforementioned reasons. Um, (laughs) It's generally stunning how they've managed to get worse. um, Brentford. Um, I'm not <laughs> playing, well, the, uh, playing the hits on the Fulhamish podcast. <laughs> Rewind the hits, no, ladies and gentlemen. I, 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 I worry about Brentford because of the impact Christian Eriksen had at the second half of last season and the position that they were in before. Year They're on, about so. to say Mikel Damsgaard, who literally has done this before, stepped in for Christian Eriksen and done really well. You're like, oh God. Continual good signings. But second second season for me, I think they'll 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 struggle. Um, and then my third one is is Southampton as well. But as I mentioned earlier, it's it's pretty tight with Fulham for that for the third spot. And depending on how this window goes, the rest of it will decide probably. But Southampton, I don't know if I'm going to be made to look stupid with these. I've gone for Bournemouth. I think it's pretty obvious. 
I was toying with Forest, but I just think they'll win too many games at home, particularly at the start of the season. You know how it's going to go. They're going to win that opening game against West Ham, I really think. Um, have they got Newcastle away first week? Oh, they've got, oh, sorry, opening home games, West Ham. Um, okay. And you just it just screams home wins, big atmospheres. I, I can just see them kind of bit doing a bit of a Brentford that they did last season. So I've gone for Bournemouth, Leeds and Brentford. Leeds for me, I know they have brought in replacements for Rafinha and Phillips, but to overhaul a weak squad, lose your two very best players. I just, I don't massively see it. And they were really poor at points last season. They pulled it out the bag late on. And Brentford is a little bit more out of hope rather than expectation, but I've just, I've just, um, you know, I'm, I'm manifesting here. Um, <laughs> say it and it will happen. So, okay, let's move on swiftly to top four in order, please. Um, Jack, I'll start with you. You're obviously, you've done these predictions, so you can, uh, you can just rattle off what you said on ranks. Uh, yes, yeah, City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea, you think? Um, Even after all of the upheaval? I just think they'll sort their shit out. Okay. Peter? City, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal. Mm. Uh, They've surprised me greatly, this window. I really hope it's that. (laughs) (laughs) For what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go against the grain here. I'm going to go exactly the same as Peter. So City, Liverpool, Spurs, and I think... Think that Arsenal look it's quite pretty. open. I think that's full spot. Yeah, I mean it could be United. I just you know no idea what to expect from from Ten Hag, but it doesn't feel like the greatest preseason. The Ronaldo problems seem to be you know lingering. It's and been festering, a very impressive so. preseason. It's just that problem. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one. Back to Fulham. Fulham player of the season. Um. This is this is tricky. I think, and none of us said Mitro last year. Mm. Jack, uh, Joao Paulinho, Peter. <laughs> this is really tricky. Sorry. Um, God, that is really tough. Um, I am going to go with Bernd Leno. Okay, following the Ariola school. Although I don't know if he'll be as busy, but. I hope be. not. That's I always think if, if the goalkeeper's got player of the season, it's often not, not a great sign. Um, it's normally a, uh, you know, when a goalkeeper wins man of the match, it's not, it's not normally great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Mitrovic because if he does score 14 or 15 goals, that will be the reason that Fulham stay up. And if he scores 15 goals, you imagine Fulham probably will be staying up. So sticking with the consistency of the predictions, I think that Mitrovic might do it again because that would be player of the season worthy if you get those goals that um that that keeps us in the league. Finally, um a Fulham hot take prediction. Um if you don't have one then uh, no stress, but just something a little bit that you see happening this season that maybe um you can look back on in May and be really smug about because you you called it. Joel Pellini's got the most yellow cards in the entire league. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's so fun. Um, 
Jay Stansfield to make 12 plus appearances in the Premier League off the bench. Good one. Okay, here's my one. Tim Ream to make a lot more appearances than expected this season and be okay. Yeah, yeah, I've got a funny feeling this might happen. Um, We've talked about this a bit before um, and it kind of comes around to the same conversation and and this isn't to excuse the lack of centre-backs, so I, I hope it's not read as that. But I do think that part of the problem with what happened last time with the centre-backs that came up with Fulham was that they weren't adequately protected. And I think that with Pellinia and Reed as the pivot, if that is how it's playing out and how it looks like it's going to play out, I think that they are much better protected in those spaces so that you know they're not being run at constantly. That's not to say that the investment is not desperately needed in that area. But I do think that actually protecting them is very, very important. And so I'm I'm pleased with it. I think it's quite hard to be a centre-back in the silver team because of how front foot it is, because of the way the full-backs get forward. Um, I think Jack's right in terms of protection. And I think hopefully that will be the case. But there will be moments where they're going to be exposed and it will make them look bad. Um, and even against certain opposition as well in this league, it's just... It's, like if you with the Tim Ream stuff, like it's just it's just I, I know obviously as Jack said, it's not excusing the need for a centre back, but whoever plays is going to have a hard time on Saturday. Like they're going to have a very hard time. They may be, they may be made to look silly, and they may be good players. Um, so I just hope there's not too there's not too much anger on Saturday about it because it's not really fair or necessarily appropriate to be honest. But um, let's see. I just. I I, there's, I think a lot is made of the gap. I, I just can't quite see how Ream can be so good at one level under a system. And last season, I think he looked better than ever at times. I just think he'll be okay. Yes, he will have games where he's jumped down for pace or moments where he struggles against a particularly good striker. Everyone's going to struggle against some of the strikers in the Premier League. They're going to make you look silly. But... I just have a feeling that he's going to play a part this season and he's going to be fine. And it might be injury induced or it might be because um, Silver's rotating or it might be even because Silver switches up the formation. But that's my, that's my hot take. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. I've just had this feeling for a little while. Anyway, they are our predictions. I have written them down and uh, we will go back to those in May and uh, we'll, we'll see how we get on, uh, gentlemen. Right, we'll take another break and afterwards uh, we'll just look ahead to Saturday's game in a bit more depth against Liverpool. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy with Jack and Peter. Uh, let's briefly look ahead then to Liverpool on Saturday, 12.30 at Craven Cottage. It is live on BT Sport in the UK. And Jack, um, Liverpool have had an interesting pre-season. Um, a good win against Man City in the Community Shield on Saturday. From the bits I watched of the game, it, if that would have been 4-1 Man City, I wouldn't have been two shocks man city particularly harland um missed quite a few big chances but liverpool kind of dug in managed the game well came out with a good win they've had some interesting results though during pre-season they got absolutely thumped by 
um, Man United, but then at, then themselves thumped RB Leipzig. They had a 3 0 defeat to Strasbourg on Sunday, admittedly with a much weaker side. Yeah, they, um, I mean, that's, that, I wouldn't read anything into that result. Like, literally, I yeah. think Fabio Carvalho was the most senior player that played, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that one. Um, but it's been a summer of, uh, of a bit of transition for Liverpool with, mm. with Mane out and, and Nunes in. Um, what do we make of them and have Fulham got any chance? My only hope is that I, this is the game that I would want Fulham to start against a big team. You don't know how they're going to be on the first game of the season. I would rather face Liverpool now than when they're in some massive flow in March and April when they're fighting for the title. This is the time where you might catch them on an off day, but it's still unlikely. Yeah, maybe. Um, I I also don't mind this as an opening fixture, but for slightly different reasons. I, I think it's one of those where if Fulham aren't in our groove and we lose to Liverpool, the chances are that, you know, you, you look at the Liverpool and the City games and you go, you know, it takes something pretty remarkable to get points out of those games, whatever point you play them in the season, right? So us playing them when we're not clearly at full strength yet, we haven't got all of our signings through the door, we haven't found our rhythm, is not necessarily a problem because it means that we get that game out of the way. Whereas if we were on a run of three games in, I don't know, January, and we came up against Liverpool, you know, the chances are those run of three games are, are going to be ended. But instead, you know, they're play, we're playing them now and getting them out, out of the way. And I think that's, that, that's probably for the best. Um, yes, it's been a summer of upheaval, but I, I think probably this team that started in the Community Shield is the team that starts against us with the exception that Alisson looks like he's actually now going to be back in goal um, ahead of Adrian. So it's going to be, I think, Alisson, Trent, Matty Van Dyke, Robertson, Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, Salah, Firmino, Diaz. I think he'll bring, I think he'll bring Nunes off the bench, um, which isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing, and and this is a well settled team that know exactly how they're doing. And, and yes, we might catch them a little bit cold, but it didn't strike me from the Community Shield that they they look like anything but in their in their rhythm. Um, I think to be honest it's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, and and what we've got to do is try and see out, ride out the first bit of this game because they will come out of the blocks um, and try and get their season off to a a fast start. Um, as long as Fulham don't get absolutely pasted here, I think it's not a huge problem. It feels like, as you say, it's, it's not a free hit, but... And and we we we've got to stop using the language of free hits as well because you know you can do this for loads of teams in the Premier League who are on paper better than you, but I do think with in some ways the Liverpool and and, and City games, you, you know you have an opportunity to try and show your stuff and and you basically try not to make yourself a fool. I think in some in so many ways and you have to try and 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 shut these teams down and, and come to terms with this is the quality we're going to be coming up against in in this league. Um, but on the whole, I don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing that Fulham are playing Liverpool first because I think, you know, I'd rather have ourselves in a rhythm and have our own vibes going on by the time we play teams who are more beatable. And, and look, ultimately, you look at the last season, right? We, we took four points off Liverpool last time we were in the Premier League, but they were four of our only points in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it, you know, yeah, it's, all, it's brilliant, obviously, beating the big teams. It's brilliant having having those shock results. But your survival is won and lost on the teams around you and, and how you play against the teams around you. And, and that's what's going to matter this year. So I, I think that in, in that regard, it, it's a 
incredibly difficult opener, obviously, um, and, and it's going to be a good occasion, I think, as Fulham return to the Premier League, you know, and that early kickoff, hopefully that everyone will be a little bit cold um, and, and we can try and, and try and make a shock happen. But it's going to be very difficult to do that. It's just a question of, you know, I think how we apply ourselves in this game. And, you know, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but we were very good in, in parts of that Villarreal game. Yes, the finishing was a little bit wonky, but and there were there were occasional hairy moments at the back. But mostly I thought we were, we were the better side against a team who, you know, got well deep into the Champions League last year. And, and I think that it's probably important to kind of rectify that. I mean, Peter, I think back to that game in the pandemic, which was the one where fans were allowed in, the one all draw where that's almost maybe a bit of a blueprint of how to play these these bigger sides. Ride out the opening 20 minutes, make them realise, oh damn, we're in a game. Get get a goal. And it was a really well taken goal. Um, I remember Lookman uh, feeding in uh, Bobby Dekadova Reed, who absolutely smashed it past Allison, and then Liverpool got frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. Shouldn't have really got the, the penalty. Was dodgy. It was possibly a penalty, but it was it was and dubious. And Fulham obviously were, were robbed of a penalty themselves um, from a, from a handball. That's the blueprint that we'll try and play. But of course, when you try and play that system, it's so risky because obviously within five minutes, if Salah bags one, the whole blueprint's up in smoke. But that's that's the game plan to try and emulate, isn't it? Uh, I do not think that's going to happen. And I think when we think back to those games two years ago, we won't see the same thing. I think the reason it was successful is because of the way Parker had the teams playing and they were really suited to teams that come at you. Um, as, you know, It was real control over games, really holding the teams, preventing them from doing anything, suffocating while also trying to find gaps by yourself, that's just not the way Marco Silva's going to play. And I think the best example of what Fulham will probably do will be Man City in the FA Cup last year. And I think, as Jack said, if Fulham can start quickly, and I think it might surprise Liverpool, um, I probably won't. They will have done their homework and they will have seen what happened when Fulham visited City. Um, score early and then and then see what happens. But it's just I just don't think that's in. Silver's yeah. blueprint to play in that same kind of way. And I think what you can take from the games two years ago is that they are beatable. You can get points off them. You can't say that they're free hits. But at the same time, I wouldn't care if Fulham didn't take anything from the game as long as it wasn't a complete annihilation. Um, I, I think Jack's point is really good that, you know, at least the first game of the season isn't against Brentford or Southampton or Forest or Bournemouth or someone around them. You know, there is, it essentially gives them another week um, but I, in terms of how Fulham will approach it, I just I I fully expect Silva to try and beat them the way he knows. And it's what he did when we go back to Estoril. It's what he did and successfully beat Porto away. Yeah. Um, got points off Benfica and Sporting. So I think he will try the same thing. But whether it works, a different question. I mean, the caliber of opposition here is ridiculous, and um, it will be a tricky afternoon. And Fulham will have to sit. I think just taking one thing from the preseason games I've seen. And I suppose maybe I wasn't paying as much attention to it last season because it just they had the ball so much. But I like how compact Fulham are without the ball preseason. I say this now and they're going to get beaten six or seven, aren't they? But um, quite it's a very clear four four two without the ball. Very clear, very tight spacing between players, tight spacing between midfield and defence, and that's really encouraging because that's that's a very effective defensive block. Um, and then going forward on the ball, we've seen that Fulham look, look sharp, look fluent, same sort of positional fluid football um and so it's there it's the blueprint there and i think how they defend will be will be key and maybe going back to what jack's saying earlier in the pod Polinia and reed that screening 
they'll be absolutely massive on on Saturday. Um, I guess there's a couple of positions now up for debate. Um, I assume we agreed that Berliner will start. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the right thing to do as well. I don't think there's a. I think for there has to be a conversation with Rodak. I think now and see what he wants to do, and then I think go from there. I mean, it's it's harsh, but I don't see the value in playing him for Liverpool, knowing you will be dropped. Like yeah. we can all see it. So unless unless there's a, a style of play thing, the fact that he hasn't necessarily bonded with his back four yet, then that's a different question. And then then yeah, maybe there's a case for it. But uh, right back, who do we expect to start? Tete or Mbabu? Tete if fit. Tete. Oh yes, he did go off with he a bit of an injury, didn't he? A slight, slight knock. Um, so we didn't touch on it afterwards. Um, but yeah, Tete, I think because he's he's just been there for longer, has more minutes under his belt. I think we're pretty sure that the midfield will be Polina Reed and Pereira. I guess the two up for debate positions are who starts kind of either side of Mitro. We know that Harry Wilson's out, and, and we think that might be even you know bordering on months here. Peter, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know yet because you're seeing a specialist this week, but I don't, I don't okay. know more than that. Okay. The rumours are that it's not great, which is obviously um, really awful and hopefully it's not as bad as feared. Um, so you've got Solomon, Neeskins, Bobby Decadover, Reed, probably in the running uh, to play those two positions. What do we reckon, Peter? Bobby and Neeskins. Purely because I don't think Solomon has had the minutes in pre-season um, and you've got to factor in the fact that he hasn't played competitive football regularly for what uh, eight no six months I think mm. um, obviously he's played on the for Israel internationally but I think maybe he's in a, in a better position he's, but I would assume Bobby would play because of his work off the ball um, and then yeah presumably because he's just been he will know the system better um but maybe not it depends on solomon's fitness i think i think it is gonna i think he will chuck solomon in if he's fit i think he'll chuck him in i think it will be solomon could do an hour yeah yeah and there's five subs isn't there yeah i mean i I wondered if you know obviously it's going to be it's going to be most sad down that right hand side. It was scored in, I think, his last five opening day fixtures. Um, just one for the, just one for the stats. Um, I think it might be interesting to to see if he if he does have Solomon not fit or, or not fit enough to start. And obviously, without Wilson, and he starts Bobby on the right. I was going to wonder if there there might be some element of his his thing that tries to double up on on Salah. I think you're um, right because against Villarreal it was Bobby who started on the left and yeah. he started on the right in front of Robinson. So, so I think I wouldn't be surprised by that. Interesting, an interesting one to consider. Well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, great to be back at the cottage and look, it's going to be a tough, tough afternoon, but I'm just looking forward uh, to being back in my seat in the Hammersmith end, um, enjoying a Camden Hells uh, behind the concourse now. Six pound 80 um, Camden Hells. Six pound 80 Camden Hells. Take my money. Uh, right. Um, we just need to name the podcast. Um, as ever on the Thursday Club, we go to the Fulhamish community on Telegram to get some names in. Jack, uh, which do you prefer out of these three that I have shortlisted for you? Bryn Paulson, Late Show Leno. I assume a... Uh, a nod to uh, the Late Show with uh, with Jay Leno, uh, Drew Heatley, uh, Rodak Burnt again, or John Brooker, Lenova and In. 
Um, yeah, let's go with the first one, I think. Let's go with Late Show Leno. Um, I quite like Leno for an in. I thought it was quite clever. It is quite good, but I think it's... Um, I think we should go with Late Show Leno. Um, or just Speaking like, of- let's, let's can go... Very good. Let's um speaking of Jay Leno, um, I just called my dad yesterday and he was like, Um, have we signed Jay Leno yet? I was like, sorry, what? So come again. Yeah, Jay Leno. Apparently he's the he's that we're signing him in goal. I was like, wow, it's a come up for the books to go from the tonight show to uh Fulham's number one. But yeah, uh, maybe we are. I think it's Bert Leno is signing dad. Um, bless him as ever on the pulse. It's more like Bert Le Yes, am I right? All right. Yeah. We need to end this pod now. Uh, Jack Collins, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Sammy. I don't know if I'm saying thank you after that. Peter Rutzer, thank you. No, thank you, Sammy, for having me. Always a pleasure. And we will be back Sunday evening, Monday morning, reacting to everything that happens in the Liverpool game. Uh, we'll see what happens. But have a lovely weekend, whatever you're doing. Maybe to you down the cottage. Come on, you whites. You whites. Yeah.